Welcome to Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. It's the 41st episode, the Yannick Dalmas episode. Props to anyone who knows him. Uh, and I'm back to continue my 2023 F1 season preview. Today, we are talking more launches. Alfa Romeo back on Tuesday. And then we had just recently, as of the day I'm recording, McLaren and Aston Martin also reveal their liveries and some of them actually their car. We'll get into that in a second. I teased potentially talking about Drive to Survive this week. I'm, I'm, I'm going for next week. I feel like it makes more sense. It comes out next Friday, not this Friday. So to do it the Friday before makes more sense to me. So instead, I thought it would maybe be a cool idea to to continue predictions, but not for this season, actually for 2024. And that is what is going to happen this silly season. So let's get in to first talking some launches. We will start chronologically this time. We're going to start with Alfa Romeo. A bit of old news by now, what it feels like, because it's just so long ago. Some of you will be listening to this part a week later, so maybe I won't spend as much time on them. Um, they went with a lot more black on their car. I really like it. I think Alfa Romeo, um, I just basically get used to calling them Sauber at this point. This will be Alfa Romeo for the last uh, season, and it will be Sauber for two years. Who knows? Maybe Audi will even get their name on it early. Um, and then it will be officially Audi by 2026. Um, but yeah, again, way more black on the car. They had a lot more red and white last year. I loved last year's livery. It's kind of similar, except instead of the white, it's black. It's exposed carbon, something we're going to uh, get used to seeing a lot more often, I think, as teams attempt to make minimum weight. I was kind of making fun of Williams for doing it last year, but I think the cars are actually lighter this year. And you can clearly see that everyone is trying to make an effort to reach that minimum as early as possible because someone like Alfa Romeo, who was light at the start of the year, benefited from it massively and then struggled with their development. Speaking of their development, I was actually just recently listening to the race. Um, Guys who are much smarter than me, um, I'd like to argue I'm a little bit more entertaining. They are very straight to the point, super smart gentlemen. I'm not trying to bash them in any way. Um, but they were saying that the Alfa Romeo's development was actually, it was difficult for them last year because the way they designed the car, it was really hard to, to make changes. But now that they've been able to kind of start from, not start from scratch again, but, um, they have a lot more time and money to spend on completely redesigning the philosophy of the car. Um, now that they're, they're, they're going to be a lot more open to, to develop, Last year, it was really difficult for them to develop. And, of course, everyone is going to know going into this season that porpoising is a risk. Where last year, it seemed to slip a lot of the, the team's minds. So, maybe I'm a little bit too pessimistic on Alfa Romeo. I'm not going to change my predictions now. However, that's what I heard. And I think that was a very interesting tidbit of information I learned from them. So, thank you to The Race. They're a great podcast. Um, but, yeah, apparently this... Um, at, at the time of, of release, was the closest thing to their actual car as well. Um, however, I wanted to point out that during their launch, it seemed like they mistakenly revealed their car in like the lamest way. And if that was them actually doing it, that was the lamest way to reveal a car. Usually everyone else has some sort of lead up to it and then pull the, you know, pull the sheet off of the car and there it is. Like Alfa Romeo was just like, they were just talking and then there was the car in the background, like as they were talking, it wasn't even like the main thing in frame. I have no idea if that was done on purpose, but 
whatever it was. It was a lame way to reveal a pretty awesome looking car. Also, Stake. Very interesting that everyone's kind of been dipping on the on the corporate sponsors or corporate. What am I saying? The crypto sponsors, um, and then they bring in Stake, which they're not a cryptocurrency, but people bet cryptocurrency. Like that's if you've seen the I don't know maybe some of you have never seen this before, but if you've seen like the ridiculous bets that Drake makes because he's a huge gambler, he does it all on Stake, and it's with you know Bitcoin and. And just cryptocurrency betting, and they—I've even had friends who have been on there um, playing like a cryptocurrency casino and stuff. Like it's a pretty crazy app. I don't know if uh, many of you know what Stake actually is, but I thought that was interesting that they brought them in as a title sponsor. Meanwhile, I guess MoneyGram has to the same. So it, it is kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, I guess that's all I'll say on Alpha Romeo. Let's move on to I guess McLaren was before Aston Martin. Today, I know some of you will be listening to this tomorrow. Um, tomorrow was in Tuesday. I have a bad habit of doing that, don't I? Um, <laughs> but McLaren, it looks strikingly similar to last year. Um, I was one of those people. I, I feel like McLaren was one of the teams that was we saw the most divide on, whether people actually liked their livery with the, with the bold blue in it. Um, they kept the blue. There's still quite a bit of black. And, of course, orange is still their main color. Um, I know a lot more people wanted to see the orange. I tend to agree. But again, the black, the exposed carbon. People have been complaining that a lot of the liveries, you know, are are very based on black. So, and then, you know, dark blue and just dark colors. I think people want to see some bright colors. Williams is like the closest thing people have to that at the moment. Um, I think we will still see a very silver Mercedes. I think um, Alpine might even have some pink. Ferrari's probably going to be dark red, though, let's be honest. So we'll see with those three. Those are the three that I'll be touching on uh, next episode. I'm also giving away what Aston's is going to look like. But let's talk McLaren first. It is a very busy livery. So I understand why people are are a bit against it. And looking at the IndyCar, like, that is a bright livery. And it's also very busy. Much brighter, though, um, because they don't have that same limitation that the Formula 1 car has. And paint weighs something uh i imagine it can't be much but it weighs something so i mean i guess it makes sense for them to try to reach as low as possible because every little bit is a tiny 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 bit of time so i guess um yeah i it's it's hard to say something else about the about the uh, mercedes and the mclaren launch it was good. McLaren always does their launch pretty well. Their IndyCar, yeah, I, I honestly think I touched on everything I can with them um, without going into stuff that I've already talked about on the previous episodes about their team. So, yeah, I think I'll just move on to Aston Martin then, um, who I think had a bit more of an interesting launch because it, it was in their new HQ. Uh, their Silverstone headquarters that's being built. They held the launch there. It's not like we got like a really deep look into it. I guess I didn't watch the launch. I shouldn't say that. Um, because again, these happened. Of course, actually, when I actually got to go into work a bit later for a change, the launches were also later. So I didn't get to watch it. I was at work. Which is unfortunate. I still haven't watched a single launch this year, and I'd love to, but they keep happening on weekdays during the work day. So I don't know how in the world I'm supposed to watch them. At my old job, I actually maybe could have, but not at my new job. Um, 
talking way too much about me just watching the launch. It's this year. It's it's basically it was one of the best liveries last year. I think consensus wise. Um, I think people see it as a slight downgrade this year just because they're a bit less lime accent. They've also gone metallic instead of matte. I, I, I barely noticed it until I saw them side by side that they switched that. Um, but it's like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, I guess, because it looks also strikingly similar to last year's car. Um, also, though, the 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 threads, um, the overalls that the drivers wear look also very similar to last year. I saw Fernando in the green. He looks weird in the green, man. He looks weird in the green. I was like, whoa. I didn't. I thought Fernando looked a bit strange in the pink with the Alpine as well. But I think just because we were a year into seeing him in the Alpine team, it didn't feel as weird. Seeing him in green, that looked strange to me. He's also looking young. For an old man in Formula 1 as he is, he's, he's looking young. And I'm really looking forward to see what Fernando can do in this Aston Martin also, apparently 90% of their car, I guess I should preface this by saying this was their car, apparently. Of course, they can come to the preseason testing with uh, with tons of developments. Um, I'm sure it's not going to be that much different. Um, but apparently this was their car. And 90% of the parts that they have on the AMR 23, I think is what it's called, um, are new parts. So this is a heavily developed car already from a team that was one of the best developing teams of last year. I've actually such high hopes for Aston Martin. People have kind of lost hope with them after in 21, people expected way better things after having such a great season with Racing Point, with Perez and Stroll. But what they did to um, limit the low rate cars hurt them a ton and that's why they, they couldn't copy the Mercedes anymore like you know people said that they were doing and really looked like they did um however it wasn't a surprise to me that they fell back in 21 it was a surprise to me how poorly they started 22 but look at their development I've been I've been preaching that right from the start their development was very impressive they're gonna have the the new guys um that I'm getting into kind of what I've already said already already like Dan Fallows and and uh, Eric Blandin, this team is going to be much better. Whether they're going to catch McLaren and Alpine remains to be seen, but I see them as a P6 team. And already what they've been doing has been giving me the confidence in my pick. Um, Yeah, I I can't wait to see how Aston Martin fares this year, to be honest. Um, Visibly, you can see that the front wing and the side pod are also very different. you might not be able to pick those things out just looking at their car. Seeing it side to side, you're like, whoa, okay, yeah, that is way different. Um, I forget what the technical term is for, but like basically like the cuts that they had in their side pod for the cooling, um, that's not a thing anymore. Their inlets look a little bit different as well. I just re- recommend looking it up because I'm not a technical guy, so me describing it to you is probably not going to paint a great picture. You should just look it up yourself. It does look way different, and it's probably one of the most interesting launches we've had so far, even though I didn't watch it. Um, so yeah, that's all I wanted to say on the launch front. Let's get in to where I think, or I should say what I think, the 2024 driver lineup is going to look like. Okay, so when I wrote this down, I was like, I was really putting down 
a ton of the same lineups, and I'm like, this is going to be a really boring segment if I have like nine of the teams remaining the same. So I went a little bold on some of them, and you'll see it's not even necessarily that I believe this. I think that I also have to predict something a little bit unexpected because look at what happened the past two seasons. Both the past two silly seasons have been pretty wild. Tons of things happened that nobody expected, and I'm going to have to try to predict that. It's going to be a challenge. We'll see how it goes. So I was going to start with like a Constructors' Championship, either from 10th to 1st or 1st to 10th, but I feel like it may be a little bit better to kind of go a bit of a random order here and just start with some of the lineups I think are going to be the same and then go to some of the lineups I think are going to be different. So let's start with two that I think... Unless something dramatic happens or one of these drivers retires, these two lineups at the top of the grid are very, very stable and very likely to stay the same. I got Ferrari with Leclerc signs. I think something dramatic could happen on either side. I think if, if Ferrari fails um, massively this year, Leclerc might look elsewhere. I think if Sainz fails massively this year, they might want to recruit a new driver. It's going to be tough. I don't know who would be able to come to Ferrari. Um, so I think I was safe. I, I'm high on signs. I don't think he's going to fail massively. And I don't think Ferrari is going to ruin a great car that they've started these regs with. So I got them staying. And the other one is Mercedes. It's basically, is Hamilton going to retire or not? And I don't think he will. So Hamilton and Russell. Now, let's move on to Alpine. I'm sticking with Ocon and Gasly. I think things if if things do get explosive, maybe maybe one of the drivers is like I'm out. But I don't think it's going to be that bad. I think the fact that they're both French, Ocon is going to want to stay with this team because he feels it's his team and Gasly, this is the best car he's going to be in since he was with Red Bull in 2019 and he got kicked out. So, this is a huge step up the grid for Gasly. And Ocon feels like this is his team. So I don't think either driver are going to want to leave. I think also Alpine's not going to have, you know, better drivers knocking at the door. So it just comes down to that for me. And I don't think that it's going to be so explosive that either a driver or the team has to make a move. So that's kind of my logic with that one. Um, Now, a lot of my other lineups are different. Um, I guess I will, I'll finish off with the ones that are staying the same. So Aston Martin, I'm sticking with Alonso and Stroll. Stroll is a no brainer. Alonso, I think if the Aston Martin project is terrible, there is a chance he's like, I'm done. Or he goes to a new team. I think that it's not going to be terrible. So I think he's going to want to stay with the project for at least one more year. He wanted a multi-year deal. So I I think that's going to stay the same and Haas as long as one of the drivers want don't want to step away or something, I think it's safe that they're going to both be with the team next year, um, unless Hulk is a massive failure as well. I think that's like what could happen because Haas is not going to find a better driver lineup than the one they have now. Two very solid drivers. Okay, so now I'm trying to think of what the best order this would be. So let's start with Williams. Williams, I'm going to have something different. I have Sergeant staying, so that means I have Albon gone from Williams. Um, is he out of the sport? Is he with a new team? You'll find out later. But the driver that I have pairing with Logan Sargent 
is Jack Doohan. Yes, some of you may not know who that is. He was an F2 rookie last year. He was, I think, very comfortably the second best rookie after Sargent. So it'll be funny to see that the two rookies in F2 that were very close um, paired up at Williams next year. I think that this is the most likely if someone of a of a different academy makes it into Formula One. I think it's more likely Jack Doohan than it is someone like Teo Porcher. I also don't think that another Red Bull Junior is going to find their way into Williams. Um, and you'll maybe see why with my next team. Um, I just think Doohan is a very, very good driver. And there's... It, it's... It's tough. I, this one, I was like, I don't think Williams is going to get anyone with an actual F1 pedigree. So I had to go with a young driver, and I think that he is a very, very solid driver, and I just didn't want to pick a Red Bull Junior. So speaking of Red Bull Juniors, I got two new ones at AlphaTauri. I got two new ones. I'm I'm, I'm making a prediction on AlphaTauri here that both these drivers will... I, I don't want to predict someone's demise, but... I just feel like Yuki's going to run his course, and I feel like DeVries might be a bit of a letdown. I think he has to show promise right away. He's not young. Um, I think Ayumu Iwasa is going to be so good in F2 this year that he can't be denied. So he was going to occupy one of those seats, and I think Liam Lawson's actually going to get a shot. I think Iwasa is actually the more likely of the two here. I know people do rate Lawson pretty highly, highly, um, so if any of these are wrong, I would predict that maybe DeVries stays, um, over Lawson. That one I think is very, very tight, but I want it to be a little more bold. So I went, went with Lawson. We'll see if AlphaTauri have a double rookie lineup next year. That will certainly be interesting. Um, so now let's move on to Sauber. Yes. Next year it will be Sauber. Um, and this one is maybe going to blow your guys' minds. I have Bottas, and I have Sergio Perez. Yeah, I think some of you may expected me to say Lando Norris. Maybe some of you expected me to say Alex Albon. I haven't said either of those two drivers yet. So, why do I have Perez coming there? I think that this might be... A bit of a mistake for Sauber to bring in two veteran drivers when in two years, that's when they're going to need the good drivers. So I think from that point, it actually doesn't make sense. However, Perez is just simply too good to be off of the grid. He's not going to want to go to Williams. So Sauber is going to give him those two years probably with the team. And we'll see if Audi wants to keep them for keep him for 2026. I think there's a very good chance by 2026 if this actually were this very bold prediction actually were to happen that we don't see either of them in the car in 2026 because that is going to be a highly sought after um position um in formula one i think especially for a young driver so we'll see this one is very bold i i'm really just going off of the basis that i don't think perez will settle for a seat like williams i don't think williams is going to be able to attract someone like him and He's too good to be out of Formula 1, and I think that Joe is not going to progress enough. I think they would be like, you know what, we're going to bring in Sergio Perez. So that one, I'm feeling very unsure about. But when I was making this, I had an I had an opening at Sauber, and I was like, 
do I want to keep Bottas and Joe for a third year, or am I actually going to say that Perez is at a Formula One? And I, I sided with Perez is going to get the seat. So, McLaren. This is where I have Albon. I have Albon pairing with Lando. What an awesome pairing that would be. And what a pickup for McLaren, I think. However, what's scary about McLaren is I think that Lando is someone that I don't think he's going to ditch the team as quickly as some people think. Like People think if McLaren doesn't take a step up this next year, that Lando's gone in 2024. I think he is going to give it a shot. I think he will race for the team in 2024, and 2025 is where he might make his, his, his decision. Unless, like, yeah, they have, to, they have to have better performance these next two years. I think this 2024 season could be Lando's last at McLaren. So I got them kind of securing at least a decent driver for the future with Albon um, because Piastri was not a choice. I'm just going to say that right now. Losing Piastri is not going to be McLaren's choice. They're going to be very disappointed to see him leave. He's going to pull off a similar move that he just did, and he's going to secure a top seat at Red Bull because that is the final team that I have, Verstappen and Piastri. How wild would that be? I think Red Bull is going to want to lose him. The Red Bull is going to be such a sought-after position on the grid. Like, that seat is going to be so valuable. They're going to be able to basically pick from any crop of driver that is available to go to that team. I think Piastri is going to show some promise. I Like I said, I don't think he's going to beat Lando. And I don't think they're going to be able to pull Lando from McLaren or any of the other drivers, frankly. So I think Piastri is going to be a great young option for them. It's someone that Verstappen is still going to be able to beat, and but Piastri is going to get better, and their future is going to be so strong with those two. So these are all very bold predictions. I know I could very easily see none of these coming true, to be honest, besides the ones that I've kept the same, because honestly, what I think is going to happen is I think it's going to be a lame, silly season. But I also thought last year was going to be lame because I just, that was more so on the basis that I just didn't think Alonso Vettel or Hamilton would retire. And then as soon as Vettel retired, chaos ensued. So if one, if one of Hamilton or Alonso retires, chaos could ensue again. We'll see. Maybe even another team joins the fold. That could cause a lot of, of just craziness. So these are my bold predictions basically for 2024. We'll revisit them after silly season to see how many I get right. Um, I'm just hoping to at least get 10, right? <laughs> and honestly, a lot of the new, even if they don't go to the right team, just seeing, predicting a driver leaving their current team, I think would almost be a bit of a W for me. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, that's uh feels like a short episode. I don't know. I'd, I'd be curious to see how long I've actually went because I'm wrapping it up already. Um, not a whole lot to talk about in preseason, of course, and I'm saving some topics for, for later episodes. I'm working on some collaborations. I guess I'll also give you guys an update on my TikTok. If you are following both the podcast and the TikTok, I keep talking about getting some clips on there. I continue to fail. I'm actually working on some sponsorships to try to fund buying a camera so I can get clear clearer uh, picture for this video um, and then also get these videos up on my TikTok and I've had a lot of success on there. My TikTok page continues to grow. And it's been awesome to see some of the some of the comments and the views and the likes that I've, I've gotten on there. I just want to be able to, 
to bring these two things together and help grow this podcast because this is what I'm really passionate about. Not so much the TikTok stuff. I have a lot of fun on there, but this is the the medium that I want to succeed the most. So hopefully I can get around that and, and start getting what I really want to do because I have so many plans for the future, but I keep realizing that I got to make these baby steps. I can't all make these things happen at once. So I guess I'll just say I appreciate all of you who continue to support me. Please check out both TikTok and podcast on YouTube. Now, it's it's not going as well as I as I hoped it would, to be honest, but I've still so much to learn. So, yeah, next week um, I will be talking about Drivers Drive, I promise. So that will do it for the Yannick Dalmas episode of Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer, and I will be back next week for Drivers Survive, and I will be talking about the final three car launches season preview is almost over we are almost at preseason testing and then we can finally get back to watching some formula one goodbye